They're a little bit loose, a little bit unstrung, and they've probably had a few beers beforehand. Please welcome Matt Crummins and Tom Fancy Pants Puck with yet another episode of Matt and Tom's Excellent Adventure. Welcome back, everybody, to the most amazing podcast out there, the Matt and Tom's Excellent Podcast. My name is Tom Putt. With me is Matthew Crummins, and we thank you for coming back on. G'day, Matt. How are you going? I am spectacular, and I brought a surprise, Tom. Oh, you know I love surprises. What have you done this time for me? Well, because we know that no one actually listens to our podcast, and so (laughs) um, you probably missed the end of last episode, given that. Um, I have a surprise because, as we know recently, we've been a bit in a controversial space with photography again. We've gone from people getting upset about sky replacement in Photoshop to the next latest and greatest, and um, which is our whole friend AI. And so we have reached out to Jamie from Absolutely AI, based in, I think, I believe, Sydney, um, who is joining us today to actually have a bit of a chat about what this whole AI thing looks like in photography, because recently, Absolutely AI did the impossible and won a photography competition with Digirex uh, Weekly Online Comp. So we're here to get the facts so people can stop getting so outraged and maybe just stop, breathe, think about it for a second, and hopefully we can all learn something together. So, Jamie, welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Am I right that you're based in Sydney? Yeah, that's right. Based in Sydney. Based in Sydney. Lovely. Um, so, Jamie, just to, so a bit of a, a preamble on this before we get kicked into the questions. So, you guys, um, did, for, for those who don't know, DigiDirect run a weekly photo competition. Let's be honest, it is not the Olympics of the photography competition world, but, you know, it's a competition all the same. It's run via Facebook. You submit a photo on a theme and they award a prize. And they awarded your photograph, if we want to call it that, um, in this podcast. <laughs> 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 um, first prize. Can, can you tell us from this, from your perspective, how did this, how did this come about? How did you? How did, how did you get involved? And more, more importantly, why did you get involved? Yeah, sure. So I've been playing around with AI for quite a while now and just noticing it getting better and better and better. My background is in photography, in filmmaking, uh, really in visual creative mediums. And I had sensed that it's reached a point, AI has really reached a point where you can pretty conceivably I don't know if you want to say fool people, but at least make people believe that this AI imagery with people who never really existed with scenes that aren't really real uh, can pass off as actual photographs. And so I wanted to bring this uh, attention to this space uh, to this space and let people know that this technology is here. So what are we going to do with it? How are we going to deal with it? So what's the best way to do that? And I thought, well, that's by shocking people. That's by entering into a competition. That's by winning a competition and immediately coming clean uh, and saying, hey, this isn't a real image. This is an AI image. So what does everyone think about it? Let's start this discussion. Um, that was what I thought was the most interesting, though, that Jamie, was that like I, I, I t- completely understand the experiment. We talked about this yesterday. The only way to actually do this experiment was to, to make it happen and to make it a secret until it worked. Mm. And I just found it so amazing how many people didn't stop to read your first comments in that comp, which were basically, hey, guys, actually, like straight away, here we are. We, we, we meant to do this and we're being clean about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a dishonest thing done honestly. That's the way I look at it anyway. It was and, a brilliant, and- brilliant form of marketing, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did get on this podcast. So, I mean, there's wow. a start, like- <laughs> I mean, gone straight to the top, Matt. 
straight to the top. That's it. Hey, you said you're a photographer as a background. That was one of my questions I wanted to ask you because mm. being in the creative space and um, is very, very and, and having this kind of technology or understanding this technology is way different to someone who's coming from, say, like a coding background with no mm. photography background. Are you a, a landscapey photographer? What sort of what's your genre? What's your thing? Yeah, a bit of everything. I do like uh, landscape photography. Uh, I actually was in Melbourne during the lockdowns and set up a big project uh, in partnership with the uh, National Film and Sound Archive to document the the lockdowns of what was going on down there. So, uh, you know, won an award for that documentary uh, photography series uh, doing down there. So I've I've done a real mixture of uh, genres, I suppose you'd say, sports photography filmmaking too i just i love good visuals and good good storytelling too um so yeah i'm not married to anyone uh which kind of makes me a, a jack of all trades master of none i suppose you'd say <laughs> that sounds a bit like me doesn't it tom <laughs> um, totally I don't <laughs> except for the awards part and you know being <laughs> yeah. successful at it and stuff like that but still the um it, I, I do think that's a really interesting thing it, with your photography, just to sort of give people an idea, because I really do love the fact that you've come from a photography background. It's not just someone who's kind of mm. come into blindside everyone. What's um, what's your take in take the AI part out of it from a photography perspective? When it, when you look at some of the harshness or the, dra- the the dramatic edits that some people do, I, I've not seen your photography work as such, but um, you know we all know what I'm probably talking about there. How do you compare that to say like this? creation of something from nothing as opposed to someone just butchering the crap out of something that was there. Yeah, it's, it's a fantastic point. And I guess it's just an evolution of that conversation. I mean, we all know people who use Photoshop, who use Lightroom to tweak and edit and make things out of, you know, yeah, like you say, something that probably wasn't there uh, and they create something or at the very least digitally enhance that image. So is that photography? I mean, if you use a drone and you're standing 100 metres away and you click a button, is that photography when the drone's doing all of the work? It's a good question, Tom. What do you reckon? (laughs) You know how I feel about all of this. I I love the idea of using drones and I think it is photography, but it's not my preferred way of getting an aerial photograph, but that's a different conversation. I'm kind of sympathising there with, with Jamie altogether there about that, that's for sure. Mm. So I do think that it is, again, a conversation we all need to have in saying, what is photography? Now there are so many tools that we have at our disposal that alters the original image. Does that mean that it's not the original image anymore and we shouldn't really be saying that it is? And I mean, it's not for me to say, it's for the photography community to to talk about and discuss. I reckon that's one of the things that makes me really nervous you know, like we, 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 neither Tom nor I in our last episode. For those who didn't listen to it, it's probably worth uh, worth going back and listening to, so that we get the um the likes and stuff like that. So please do it. For those who didn't um, listen, how dare they? <laughs> Jesus, what sort of listenership do we have? Jesus, would you call a listener shit or? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but really, what we found is that we, from a professional photography perspective, there are definitely some areas I think where this AI technology looks like it might cause some serious risk. Um, for people and that's just the same as when uber came in to to take out the taxi industry you know we all see this coming and and you've i I think it's actually you've in a way done a service to everyone to bring it to everyone's attention um faster than what they might have otherwise seen that this technology is out there but for your average punter what what makes me nervous from an enthusiast perspective is that 
I've noticed this trend in, in um, you know, just take Instagram as an example. Um, you know, we both Tom and I do a lot of travel with our photography and you see these photos of these places and you go, that's incredible. But when you're actually there, it's a wildly different experience. Like people are re- not recreating it. They're, they're manipulating, um, you know, whether it's by using a different focal length to eliminate half the, the crowd or whether it's, you know, um, setting something up to be the, how it's not. You know, I had a great example of, you know, a girl in Karajini taking a photograph of or getting her husband or boyfriend to take a photograph of her in a waterfall and the waterfall was two degrees and she's sitting there in a g-string at sunrise and clearly getting angry and frustrated but the photo is all about you know hashtag blessed and I just wonder whether you know when we start to introduce these tools into photography as you say like are we creating this world where you don't actually have to live in the real world you can just sort of blindly make things up you know it's almost like a a a habitual liar <laughs> does that make sense you can fool yourself more than i'm not worried about fooling other people but are you fooling are you just fooling yeah. yourself well i think it's there's a couple of different conversations to span off from that but yeah i think you look at instagram and how much is real i mean there's filters to change your face now uh to make you look more beautiful younger whatever it might be you, you, might, um, Tom, you should probably get a tom you might want to get a um a yeah, reference for that yeah, one does he, does he have a link for that <laughs> Uh, so I think this is a logical step. I mean, people want to, you know, show that they're able to create the best images or, you know, they have the perfect life when we know that a lot of this stuff on social media isn't real. So, yes, we will start to see a lot more content being created. That is literally that. It's not real. Um, and is that what we want to strive for? I'm not sure. I mean, for professional photographers, for people who enjoy photography for the craft that it is, I don't think it will affect them too much. But for the social media uh, age, for the social media generation, I think it will have a big impact. Jamie, how much of that is is the responsibility of people like yourself to declare upfront that the image is computer generated? Do you think? Yeah, fantastic question. Uh, I'd say hugely, hugely. But I mean. If I wasn't, if we weren't as honest, I suppose, and we had worse intentions for this, I could have, you know, made a whole heap more images, entered a lot more different competitions, probably won some of them, kept the cash, whatever it might be, kept the prizes. And just well, you wouldn't need the prizes, them. would you, though? Because you don't need a camera to take your sort of photos. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Um, but yeah, I do think it's on the uh, the person creating the image to say that it's uh, that it's AI. But of course, not everyone's going to do that. Of course, they're not going to do that. And as far as I know, it's it's difficult to detect what is a real image now. As as far as I've dived into this, uh, what is real and what's not. So, but on that, and I think maybe this is where we need to pause for a second, rewind a little bit, because Tom and I are not computery people. Like we we obviously use Lightroom and and whatnot but we're not um we're nowhere near up with the ai tech generation or or, Mm. you know that 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 level so can you give us a bit of an insight um as to how does this actually work and i'd love to be able to touch on this as well that i know there's a lot of people crying foul around things like copyright which i think from my understanding is actually a, a little bit misguided it might be it's it's sort of less about copyright more about inspiration but when you're doing if you were to talk us through the process of building that image what does that look like are you just typing in to a machine saying hey give us an amazing photo of a sun sunrise over an ocean with a surfer um 
click enter, here's eight options, I'll take one of them? Or is it, how much influence do you have and how does the machine actually go about building that image from there? Yeah, sure. So there's a few things to this. Uh, if, if you or if people can have a look at the image that we actually won the DigiDirect uh, contest with, that is an image of two surfers at sunrise, nice drone shot, beautiful sunrise, crashing wave. Uh, it's a nice image. It's a good image, good drone shot. To create that, I was nowhere near a beach. I was sitting on my couch here in Sydney, about what, 10 k's away from any beach, pouring down rain outside. And I input using my phone into one of the uh, AI generative apps, what I wanted to create. And what I wanted to create was a drone image, two surfers at sunrise, beautiful shot, uh, nice lighting, few extra things, but that was pretty much the crux of it. And you're putting in text that's all you're doing, putting in prompt text into these apps, and it gives you a whole heap of different options for you to choose from. So that's how I created that image. And does that give you the option, like let's just say as an example, you got to like a base level of that image. Um, so you put in two surfers, sunrise, beautiful image, great lighting, etc. And then it gives you a bunch of images. Can you then, how, how much can you involve yourself in the, I'll say the the collaborating with this AI tool to edit it. So for instance, saying make the water more blue or back the sunrise off a little bit. Can you can you kind of do multiple steps with this? Or is it like a you put the text in, it generates a photo and it's like a you either love it or you hate it? Correct. So it's very broad brush strokes. So I chose an image like that because when you're using these AI apps, they struggle with specifics. So I wanted to use something quite general. Uh, and by general I mean with these apps, they actually draw inspiration or draw uh, imagery from all of the images that have been uploaded online uh, to a certain extent. It can pull certain bits from, you know, someone in Canada uploaded an image five years ago of a surfer. Let's take that little bit. Someone in Australia uploaded one two years ago of a drone shot over a beach. Let's pick a little bit from that to create something that's entirely new. So that's what we did with our image. In terms of a specific, I want to have Tom and Matt sitting at the ocean, drinking coffees, wearing leopard not, print shirts. Not shirt. much at all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Just, those, just that mankini you gave me for Christmas, Matt. <laughs> then it would actually struggle. It would struggle because there's well, not thank as God much. God for that. <laughs> there's not as much from it for it to draw from. There wouldn't be. So many images. Uh, you might be, you might be surprised thing. with. That. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't look at my Facebook profile, Matt or, or Jamie. So, so Jamie, then that, I mean, that's a really interesting one. I'd like I want to keep this part of it going because I really think this is interesting how it actually happens because there's a couple of pieces on that. But when you say it takes it takes bits from each image, mm. you know, if we imagine that a photo's got say 20 megapixels, so 20 million pixels, mm. when it takes inspiration from places. Um, if you look in the like the human photography world, if you went and took a say a surfer out of someone's photo and put it in yours, even if it was a completely different context, that would be very much not just frowned upon, but that starts to. I mean, that would you wouldn't be able to use that in a competition because not all elements are your own. Mm-hmm. Um, you wouldn't be able to, in some cases, depending on the size of that subject matter, use it at all because it would start to breach copyright when it hits mm-hmm. a certain percentage. If you want to go really technical. Um, and there's been photographers in recent history, um, 
we that we may both know uh, Oops, <laughs> who, who have been. Hello. I was wondering been, when we were going to reference this person. Yeah, well, we won't reference a person, but they got pinged on this. They were taking elements of other people's photos, and then they actually had they got all their awards revoked, and in fact, their yeah. professional credit accreditation revoked. Yeah. Are we talking about a machine taking? inspiration pixels like it sees a 50 surfers and looks at roughly what a surfer looks like and then generates a new surfer or is it kind of like actually almost like a, an automated photoshop like let's just take that little surfer and plug them in somewhere else no so it's more complex than that it is generating something new or someone new so that person would never have existed it yep. is almost like using the comp the composition of the shot say it's a drone shot it, it can work out how far down someone needs to be in the wave. Say the drone's up 30 metres. It matches to that and creates something new. So it is more taking inspiration, but to what extent we don't really know um, because ah. we don't know where it is drawing these photos from. I think you'd have a very tough time, and I haven't seen it yet. I'm sure it will happen eventually, but I haven't seen any photographer come out and say, hold on, I can recognise my own image and what you've created there. You, The AI has actually picked up my image uh, and created that in, in your new image. I haven't seen that happen yet. I haven't seen any photographer recognise their own work yet, mm. um, but it's going to happen eventually. I know because... stylistically people have mm. been critical of that, saying that some AI technology, some AI bots or whatever they're referenced to as have... have um, being trained specifically in a person's style. So mm -hmm. there are bots that have been created or websites that have created, um, you know, let's just call it for argument's sake, like TomPuttAI.com where someone's gone and said, hey, we're going to just study Tom Putt's work and this will be a Tom Putt work generator. And all it does is generate things that look exactly like Tom Putt's the stuff. The best bloody AI out there, I reckon that would be. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh, but, but, you're, but in terms of actually, as you say, like the, the difference here where I think people are getting really crazy about it is they're talking about the copyright, like they're stealing our pixels. And I kind of go, that's a pretty broad or general statement to make. And I don't, I think you should maybe, you're allowed to feel hurt by it, but there's also got to be, um, you know, the reality of this is that if it's actually not taking your piece, you, you could, you know, when I did, I did photograph Shark Bay recently um, uh, on our Western Australia trip and a hundred percent, I took inspiration from everyone I knew that went to Shark Bay and I looked at yeah. their compositions first. I even spoke to Tom about it, like what sort of areas are best to go to. And so, this machine's he obviously basically not maybe... ripped off all my good stuff, Jamie. That's what he's trying to <laughs> I say. I did, I did, I did, and you can actually find it on Matt. Come yeah. uh, <laughs> he sent me one of his photos, and I'm like, he's taking the pisses, and he's like, he's downloaded one of my photos and just pretended to be his. And nope, it was his photo. It was almost identical to mine, and yet, <laughs> and yet we're flying in planes. You know, you can judge the distance. You know, can change the distance or the height of the plane, etc. And just uncannily, he happened to get an almost identical photo. Mm. But uh, well, I mean, this is the thing. All you have to do is visit tomputtai.com. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so it's not. We're gonna. I think we can we can put the nail in that coffin, team. It's not technically stealing your photos. It is drawing inspiration, just like a human could. Maybe it can draw inspiration faster from broader um, mm. sources. But but it's just kind of yeah. It's taking it's, that inspiration. Does this sort of bring up the the idea that once it's on the internet, it's it's pretty much public property? Jamie, because yeah, you know it's, it's you know obviously you own the copyright, but to some extent it becomes 
public domain and that's where the the inspiration is 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 you know the computers or the software is drawing that inspiration from in the first place isn't it yes fantastic point fantastic point i think as soon as you upload it to anywhere really social media online enter it into a an award that's online a contest i do think it becomes part of that public domain to some extent i mean with a lot of these different ai generative uh image uh, apps that are out now we don't actually know where it's drawing from or how much access it has to different parts of the internet we're just uh, losing yeah. you a bit there, Jamie. Sorry, you must have. If you've moved oh, or something, we're just that's better. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So gotcha. uh, we don't we don't know for a lot of these apps how much inspiration or how much it can actually access with images that have been uploaded online. But I would treat it as that. I mean, if you're uploading something to a contest online, uh, anywhere to social media, if not now in the future, I'd say it would be able to be accessed by these different apps. Yeah. So how much does this worry you then with the work that you're producing through your company to then have, does it worry you at all? And I think you've answered this question already that the computer or software might generate an image that you then may get in trouble for because it's too closely referenced somebody else's work. Yeah, I haven't seen it happen yet. I mean, that's not to say it won't happen in future, but everything yeah. that I create using this these AI programs are mine. I mean, I technically own them in every sense, even though they might have drawn inspiration from different things wherever this AI um, app draws its imagery from. Whatever the finished output is, that's actually owned by the user. Right. Is this proprietary software that you've developed or is this somebody else's work? No, this is someone else's. This is a yeah. number of different ones, yeah. There's a number of different apps coming out at the same at the same time that do slightly different things. And so, and so what's the, sorry, Matt, what's just to continue along that vein. So who are the, who are the customers that you're um, garnishing interest from and what are they using it for? Yeah, we've had a few different ones, uh, you know, general website, rebrand, um, nothing too specific of people. I mean, we've done a few people's tattoo designs. They say, oh, we'd like to, you know, seen your cool stuff on, on social media, on Instagram, can you create me a new tattoo design? And I say, yeah, sure. And work with them on what they'd actually like. So nothing too specific in terms of, I mean, where you get into trouble if it was something like, let's do a Nike inspired new shoe. If I helped a company to create that, well then yeah, you could be in trouble because it would directly be referencing Nike's creations to create something new. Again, we haven't run into any problems. We, we haven't done any big things like that yet. Um, but eventually, I mean, who knows? Someone will. Someone will. I did see four days ago on your Instagram, you posted a very nice shot of a Nike shoe. Mm, yes, some concept <laughs> shoes. Some concept, oh, concept shoes. shoes. Look at these. They're amazing for those who um, jump onto Absolutely AI's Instagram and you'll see just a few days back there that there's um, some great imagery of, of Nike shoes there that's fantastic. So well, I got a question on this, right? So, I mean, I've not dabbled with it. I actually, I, I lie. When I say I haven't dabbled with them, my brother-in-law was over late last year and he was banging on massively about these AI generators and saying how you can basically get anything you want, um, you know, in an instant. And I'm sure even since then, which was October, I'm sure it's changed again. But, you know, he gave us an example where he typed, I think we actually put like, this is before um, Betty sadly passed away, but it was Queen Elizabeth riding on the back of a dragon holding a sword, mm. 
or something and it gave us like 10 versions of that photo and to be honest most of them looked pretty crap because it was a pretty random request Mm -hmm. um but there was something wildly unsatisfying about spending three seconds typing this in Mm -hmm. and then kind of choosing something Mm -hmm. and then being like really it's it's almost like um you're employing a photographer to go and you know, it's almost like jumping on Fiverr and putting a brief out there and then you get all these briefs, but, you know, the, the concept's back and you choose the one you like and sort of pay for that. How, how do you find this from a mm. being someone who's got a creative background who works in photo and video and you know how much craft goes into, say, like lighting as an example and how much mm. time and effort you put into lighting something correctly and the satisfaction you get when you're just like, fuck, that's amazing, mm. compared to just typing in create some beautiful lighting, enter. Yeah, that is absolutely bang on. And it's the thing I like talking about most with this. I mean, photographers at the moment have concerns with this new technology that's coming out and to a point rightly so, but this is not going to replace photography. I mean, it's not the same thing when you go down to the beach, wake up early, get down there, send up your drone. You might spot the perfect image that you're trying to create in your mind and see it there in reality and you snap that. And it's great. It's fantastic because there's been a struggle to getting that final image. With AI, there's no journey. You just skip straight to the output. And that's why, I mean, I've created a lot of images now using these apps and they're soulless. That's how I'd explain it. They look fantastic, but I don't feel the same satisfaction. I don't feel proud of these images. Um, because I didn't technically struggle to create them. It's the same way, I mean, we value handmade arts and crafts more than we do something that was pumped out of a machine, something that's like a handmade rug or, you know, something knitted Mm. than we do that's just been spat out Um, because there's a struggle in that. So I do think there is a lot more photography to photography and and general creative works in general um, than meets the eye than just the finished output. I mean, it's a conversation to be had for people. But then again, if all your aim is to post it on social media, get a few likes, maybe that's enough for you and you don't need the struggle. But I think for proper creatives, proper photographers who really are enthusiastic about it, yeah, you will you will feel a bit uh, you'll feel like they're a bit soulless by the end of the by using these apps. I think it's really interesting because you know what I've, I've got to say that. The best um, link I, I think you've made to this um, in this conversation, it's something I haven't really considered too much either. And except to read, there was a bloke who got caught out on Instagram the other day. Um, Petapixel mm. published a piece that he was doing these um, AI-generated portraits and everyone was asking him about them and he was actually passing off a story that he was photographing on a D850 and all this sort of other jazz. Um, and then he finally got caught out and said, yeah, okay, sure, they're AI. Um, but what I think is the best connection here is actually most of the people who I think were getting pretty upset and outraged at at that competition win of yours, um, I feel as though they had the fear struck in them that this is the, the beginning of the end. Um, but if you compare it to what we said with Instagram in general, where people are using all sorts of filters and apps that modify people's looks and stuff, I mean, that might not technically be AI, but... F- for the for the purpose of what we're talking about, it is AI. Like it's a computer that is changing something for you without any real input. Or even if you look at just the the influencer generation of people who want to photograph things in a way that, you know, bends reality quite a lot. And I think travel photography in general is that these days. You know, it, it, it's actually not that different, is it? Like 
yes, you have to put it, there's a bit of a struggle. Creators have to put a lot of work in or influencers have to put a lot of work into getting their photos to look the way that they do. But we all look at them and kind of you can spot it from a mile away where you're like, yeah, cool, that beach looks amazing, but I bet there's 5,000 people behind you on jet skis. You know, like it's, it, it is kind of, we, we can recognize the fakeness in, um, in a lot of social media currently. And yet that is actually real. I mean, in terms of being physically real. So with AI, you might not be able to spot the difference, but you can probably look at a photo and be like, well, yeah, I don't know, is that any different from, yeah, that, that in, influencer kind of um, spin on things, mm. if that made any sense at all. <laughs> <laughs> too good to be true. Yeah, yeah basically, yeah. Right. And so I have a question on the image quality here part of it because you were talking about um, loading it onto social media and stuff and you just, you know, people might get a kick out of getting likes, but it's soulless. If you were to say... Um, I've seen some of the pretty amazing pieces of, of art generated through AI, even some of the ones where you can clearly see it is a computer-generated image. Um, when we talk about the scale of these, and I'll, I'll call it the perfection of these, Facebook and an, a Facebook competition resolution is not a very good um, judge of quality, right? Because mm-hmm. you can get away with a lot of imperfections on Facebook. If you were to get that photo that you created and you blew it up firstly can you get these um ai generators to actually give you the resolution you need to blow it up and then secondly when you look at this close if you pulled it into lightroom and inspected it you know at 100 percent, for instance is it very is it seamless or do you look at it and kind of go oh there's some weird bits where like clearly it hasn't worked out how to blend a surfer into a wave or something so just on your first point it is uh difficult to blow up these images they create very small file sizes, um, thinking about five meg, three meg for each image. Uh, difficult to blow up. That's for now. I do think that'll improve with time. When you zoom in, say on Lightroom, you go right in a thousand percent. No, there's no general tells that you can see most of the time. Uh but there is inconsistency. So people pointed out with the image that we won with for this competition of the surfers the wave lines didn't go the right way. So people who were surfers mm. looked at it and said, that's not that's not a real wave. To me, I'm not a surfer. I didn't notice that. But yeah. it's interesting to say, if you know what you're looking for, you can spot a fake. I mean, although I can create other images just of a portrait of, of I mean, again, on our Instagram of some African princesses and they look pretty spot on. They look like absolute real people. You could not tell a thing. So... Again, it comes down to what the actual subject is, what the composition is, and, and how well you know that subject as well to be able to spot out, is this real or not? That's an interesting one because we often, Tom and I both get roped into judging competitions quite frequently, even at like a small local level. And what's very interesting in people's editing in Lightroom, I've noticed, is that people often forget that physics exists in photos. Mm-hmm. And so there'll be a sunrise and the sun, this beautiful looking shot, but when you stop and think about it, you're like, hold on a second, why is this side of the rock lit? Because if the mm-hmm. sun's coming up over there, there's no way that the light bounces that way. It just doesn't work that way. And you see it in people's edits when they're not thinking consciously about how the physics of light and objects actually you know, fit into, <laughs> into the, a real scene. So it doesn't sort of surprise me there's inconsistencies like that i guess mm. um but i'd say with with those with those kind of images where people have gone to the lengths to light one side of a rock and not the other or you know tweak it to that extent where you are changing the image i don't think it's too far of a jump 
you know, to say that these are uh, at least uh, computer enhanced, maybe not mm. computer generated like AI, but they're definitely enhanced. And I don't know, does that does that deserve to be entered into competitions and things? Uh, again, I'm not sure. Matt, if you are wanting a copy of what's titled The Most Stolen Photograph, just jump onto Jamie's website there and um, you can order yourself a copy up to size 24 by 36 inches, I see. There you go. It's just a little <laughs> plug for you there, Jamie. I hope that generates a few extra sales. I'm not sure many, <laughs> many uh, photographers out there who who don't agree with AI will be purchasing from you soon. But, you know, I think it's the imperfection in that computer-generated image that makes it quirky and makes it fascinating in the first place. It, it hasn't done a, an absolute seamless job on that landscape image and I think that makes it um, even more appealing to me anyway. Yeah, yeah. And look, we are very early on in this journey in, in one year, in even six months, I'm interested to see where things are going to be. Again, it's going to gain a lot more widespread attention. We are right on the the cusp of this kind of exploding at the moment and it will have huge implications not just for photography but all the different creative industries i mean we've seen with with chat gpt over the last few months how that's exploded amazing um, yeah what, what i think what is interesting with chat with those with these apps though what i'd be i'm kind of very conscious of and this is where the i guess the social responsibility part of it comes in which i'm sure will be ignored in many corners but if you, if you think about this tool coming in and say, for instance, it starts creating, um, you know, you, you start using it for branding exercises and, you know, at a, at a social media level, people start using this just to create these wild scenes. Do you think, you, you know, let's talk 10 years down the track, which I know technology will change, but what will end up happening is, isn't this kind of like inbreeding where if it's only referencing images it finds online and the images that are found online were mm. created out of thin air that were from things that it found online and so on and so forth and you keep going that circle, <laughs> will it end up creating, you know, like Henry the Fourth sort of, you know, severely um, challenged children <laughs> who, were, who were 10 generations inbred? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. Something like that will happen. And I think as well as we are able to create more fantastic scenes, we will become a bit desensitized to it. So everyone's going to be striving to create something that's pushing the envelope more. But I don't know, at, at some point, we're going to start going the other way, I think, and people are going to want some minimalist photos that don't contain you know, a thousand castles and 10 queens riding dragons. <laughs> we'll, we'll get back to just your good old drone shot over Mornington Peninsula. Do you think, um, Jamie, do you think there'll be a, a situation, you know, obviously controversially you've won that that um, that competition with this image. Do you think there'll be a situation where there are specific photo competitions run purely for computer-generated images? Well, interestingly, after we won the DigiDirect contest, a couple of weeks ago, they've come out and they said, we're going to do a man versus machine uh, AI competition. So you can enter any image you want. It can be AI, it can be real, it can be not, whatever you want. And we'll get some big judges on who are, you know, Canon ambassadors, Sony ambassadors to judge these. And they're going to judge which are their favorite images. So I think that is the first, firstly, that's a good response from them. I like that they've kind of been open-minded with this whole thing. Mm. Um, but I do think there's going to be some competitions because it is still creative. I mean, I might not have taken that drone shot myself and sent up a drone, but I did still create it. 
I did still have that picture in my mind and brought it to life. So I do think there's a place for competitions that that kind of serve that side of things. So I is wonder- the creativity, sorry, Matt, is the creativity yeah. based on how well you describe the scene mm. or whatever image you want to the computer then? Is that mm. is that where your, your skill set comes into play? Correct. I mean, yeah. I, I can't... <laughs> <laughs> that was just Jamie's robot barking in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure what that was. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, in terms of AI competitions and things like that, I, I do think there's a spot for it. Um, and yeah, in, in terms of being a good prompter, I'm not able to create you know, nice artworks. I can't paint. My mum's an artist, but I can, didn't get any of those genes. I can't draw well, but I do think I am creative. And now there's a tool that I can lean into heavily to create great imagery, even though I don't have those traditional skills to, to do that myself. I think it's a really interesting one. I, I do think that what you, I think this has been really enlightening because the one big takeaway for me is at the moment is, is that, as you said, the satisfaction levels in it are different. Um, you know, obviously also depending on what your expectations are as well. Like if you're already a photographer, you know the feeling of getting that shot. If you're not a photographer currently, maybe just generating something gives you that feeling. Like it's, it's mm. I can completely relate to that. But the, um, I, I also think that people are overestimating how much goes into that sort of a shot. Like personally, I thought that there was going to be more levels of, I'll call it, um, editing so you know getting a photo and then working with them like prompting the machine at like four stages or five stages to try and refine it down to what you want whereas you're sort of saying it's more like you plug in a description to start with and then you kind of hope like hell that it interprets it correctly and then mm-hmm. you might modify your statement until it works but the the process is really really quick from the sound of it um mm-hmm. You know, and that, that's kind of opening to me because I really think that if you're a photographer and you're worried about this technology, I think the part where we need to worry about this maybe more is going to be when that AI technology starts to work with people. You know, for instance, if you have a Lightroom or Photoshop plugin, and I'm sure the neural filters in Photoshop are already starting to do this, but where you go in there and it kind of gives you options to use sliders and modifiers to adjust that AI input so that you can maybe say like, oh, I actually, I really want a, you know, a hundred castles and dragons in this landscape that I've taken. And then it kind of uses your image and then, you know, puts the things in your scene for you and then you can relight it and do all that sort of stuff. That to me is more terrifying because it's still using photography as a form and it blurs that line a lot more. Whereas at the moment, it sounds as though they're very, very separate things still. Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, there will come a time when I'm sure you can start to do those things and input your own images and it reacts with those in a more seamless way. Right now you can blend two images using AI and it creates something entirely new. So if you wanted a football player and a bull and you blended those two together, you might get the football player with some horns, but you also might get an absolute bizarre image which looks nothing like either of them. So down the track as they get more sophisticated, yeah, you, I imagine you'll be able to, uh, to do those things. But right now they are very separate. I mean, if you're a wedding photographer, you're still going to be completely fine because, I mean, they're, they're real moments, aren't they, that, that people are wanting to capture. Uh, well, not necessarily from- because Tom, Tom is, well, I guess at some point, Probably not not going to marry Mary and (laughs) she she could just go on to a a bot now and just be like, can you please create the wedding 
photography album that will never happen. Hey, Tom. <laughs> we, can edit, we can edit that bit we can, out, can't we? We can pull that bit out, mate. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but the... Um, but yeah, no, I, I think you're totally right. This is actually blend. This is the this this really I think solidifies what we said in our last step about um you know our thoughts on it from as a, from a professional standpoint and and the fact Jamie that you're a you're a professional um in your photography and um and videography as well, I think that's got to give everyone a bit of confidence that you go you know mm. what these these tools tools change things come out um, constantly and in fact you know the one situation where we've described this may be becoming a problem in the future is the one where you're still involved as the photographer and so um this is not here to to wipe you off the planet this is Mm. this is pretty exciting if you look at it through the right lens yeah and i think it just improves the accessibility of you know being creative photography at times we all know can be a really expensive thing particularly if you're wanting to travel somewhere and get a good shot you need all the kit you need all the gear you need time you need maybe a car whatever it is we had one guy reach out to us um, after we did this little photography um, competition experiment and he said, I've got scoliosis and I can't get out and shoot photography and it's been killing me not to be able to create things. But with this, I am able to create things even though I'm not leaving the house and it's kind of giving him his fill there, his creative needs are kind of being met to some extent, which I think is a good thing. Um, that it's kind of lowering that barrier to entry to get into some sort of creative outlet. Amazing. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Jamie, one thing um, that we may have already covered off is where you see this technology helping in the future. I, for example, was on Facebook the other day and there was a company advertising um, staging for homes that are being sold and they had examples where they had a completely empty room and then the computer was furnishing that room. Mm. And I thought that was just incredible. I thought that was very clever. And so it'll be, as you've alluded to, it'll be interesting to see where this takes us. We're very early on and I think a lot of the the, the scaremongering or perhaps a lot of the fear around this new technology is just perhaps due to the fact that we're early and perhaps Mm. even a lack of understanding of what it's capable of doing. But I think it's very exciting to see where it goes in the future for that one example of, even just people who perhaps are wanting to stage their home and they don't want to pay to have somebody come in and put in all the furniture, perhaps the computer can do that for them. Yeah, yeah, eventually, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, if you're into, well, actually, an example that I saw recently that's not a good use of this but it's kind of showing the the potential that it does have was uh, with the earthquake that happened in Turkey, some fraudsters set up some fake sites to accept donations and were creating fake imagery of the destruction in Turkey with right. you know, firemen holding yeah, a okay. child and things like that and using those to kind of create an emotional link between people to donate money to these fraudsters. Yeah. Um, so we've got to watch out, but, I mean, it's here now. It's kind of how we, we integrate it, and I don't think people should be running from it. Yeah. Well, you know what? I reckon this has been probably one of the most productive conversations we could have had about this topic. Because Quite intellectual, I, only for the really fact that is. we had Jamie on the podcast, mate. Not from, <laughs> not from you and I, Matt. Do you want to put a quick dick, uh, dick joke into this? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's your, usually your domain, Matt, not mine. But I, I do think this is um, no. Honestly, like I've, I'm, I'm walking away from this actually quite inspired, rather than yeah. you know, not. I don't. I was never really nervous about it because I don't think I, I can't see how in my world it's going to impact it in a terribly negative way. It'll change things, and not not ne- negative impact. But but equally, I 
yeah, the way that you've described this is probably the way I was hoping you'd describe it as being, yes, it's a process you can do, but yes, it doesn't have the same feeling. No, it's not the reason we all go out there and take photographs and the satisfaction levels are different um, depending on your circumstances. And and at the, at the end of the day, it just means that we're all going to have to adapt to understand this now fits into the landscape. And if in competition land, maybe there's got to be some checks and balances. Maybe, you know, the fact that we can embrace it in a competition um, on its own, you, you can... Um, you, you, you kind of give people an outlet. They don't have to compete with the other side of, you know, the real photography or the, well, not the real photography, the, the, the yeah. um, physical photography. So I don't know. I'm pretty excited. I, I think that was, that was super interesting. Yeah, it's fascinating. Thanks, Jamie, very much for your time. For anybody who wants to see more of Jamie's work, you can jump into absolutelyai.com.au. There's a whole lot of examples there on his website. You can buy that image that uh, won the photo comp and there's also references there to his um, Instagram as well. So thanks, Jamie, very much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us on the podcast today. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks for having me on anytime. Thanks, guys. See you later. See you next time, people. Bye. Thanks, bye.